This was not how I planned my life. This was not what I expected to happen. I had a plan. I knew exactly what was going to happen. I knew exactly where my life was going. And this is not it. Now, don't get me wrong. Don't misunderstand me. Life is crazy, and everybody knows that. But I'm already having to get things ready to go to Bethlehem, as if that's an easy trip. But now, come to find out, my soon-to-be wife is pregnant, and it's not my child. This is not how I planned my life to go. This is not what I wanted. Please, again, don't misunderstand me. My soon-to-be wife is amazing. She's kind. She's godly. She has the face of an angel. I mean, I am a lucky man, but why me? Why did God decide that I was the guy that had to go through this? Do you understand what my family's going to think about all of this? Do you understand what my town, I don't come from a big town, people. Do you understand what people are going to say, the rumors and the gossip, because my soon-to-be wife is pregnant? This is not easy for me. You know, it shocked me, to be honest. I would have never guessed that Mary would be the kind of girl that would do what she did. But then turns out she didn't do what I thought she had done. God flipped all of that on its head. In the moment, I thought, well, what am I going to do? I'm a bachelor. I've got a, a fiancé, but I can't marry her now. She's pregnant. And so I thought, you know what? I'm going to be a nice guy about this. I'm going to do the godly thing. I'm just I'm going to let her go quietly. I'm not going to make a big fuss about it. I'm not going to put her in front of the whole town for her to be shamed. I'm just going to, just going to sit back and just sever the ties. You know, I'm just going to kind of walk away from this whole situation, this whole mess. And then I had a dream. Now, this was not like your ordinary dream. This was different. I'm I'm dreaming, and it's so real. You know, if you have a dream, and, and you kind of wake up, and you go, oh, that was kind of strange. But this was like I was standing right in front of you talking. It was so real. And I remembered every detail of that dream when I woke up. And in that dream, God told me that his plans were bigger than mine, and I had to follow him. And his plan was for me to get married to this woman. Oh, God. Why me? This is going to be a difficult transition. So, I decided that despite the fact that I just wanted to get married and have some sons and let them run my carpentry shop, I decided that I would do what God wanted me to do. And so I took Mary and I made her my wife, and I followed his guidance, even though it was hard, even though in reality I was placing my entire livelihood on the line. When God calls you to do something, when he guides you in his direction, you follow. 
So that's where I'm at. I have a pregnant fiance about to pack things up and make a long trek from my little town down to Bethlehem. And we'll see what God does. I'm sure he's going to provide, but following God's guidance is more important than the things going the way that I wanted them to go. Kind of a different perspective of Joseph's life, isn't it? You know, we, we hear the story as followers of Christ, of Joseph, you know, thinking that he's going to be the nice guy and he's just going to put her away quietly, you know, because she's pregnant. And then he has this dream. And we hear the story and we go, oh, that's, that's nice. But have we ever put ourselves in Joseph's shoes? Can you imagine what it must have been like for that man? Back in that day and time, don't misunderstand, it wasn't like, 19 or 2018 America where you get pregnant before marriage it's no big deal this day and time if you were pregnant before marriage there were certain areas of Israel where you could be taken outside the city and stoned you definitely were not going to keep a healthy reputation if you got pregnant outside of marriage Joseph was literally putting his entire livelihood on the line to obey God's words. It was a big, big deal. Now, has God ever asked you or challenged you to do something that seemed a little too big, maybe? Has He ever pushed you or, or encouraged you to take a step that maybe was too much? Has He ever taken your life and flipped it on its head and shook it out pretty good? Has He ever done that to you? Well, luckily for us this morning, God's Word helps us understand why God does this. So take your Bibles. I want you to turn to Luke chapter 1, and we're going to start in verse 26. Luke is in the New Testament, so you can take your Bible or your apps, whatever you read on, and turn to the New Testament. It's the last, like, quarter section of your Bible. Um, the first four books are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, you're going to be in Luke, and we're going to be also in Matthew this morning. So find those four names, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. If you find a strange name like Malachi or Micah, you know, those, those different ones, you've, you're not far enough. You need to keep going. The more American-sounding names, that's what you're looking for. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We're in Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 26. And as you're turning there, I want you to think for just a minute with me. You're going to hear me say this a lot, so get, get used to it. I think we as Christians in America, and I think Christians in general, we've lost the wonder of some of these biblical accounts. I think we've read these accounts and we've heard these accounts so many times that we go, oh, that's nice, and we move on without stopping and thinking how amazing it must have been to have been there and experienced that. And so this morning... I want to step into Joseph and Mary's shoes for a moment. And I want to think about what this must have been like for them. So Luke chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 26 and read through 38. And it says this. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, now stop there for just a moment. Elizabeth is a relative of Mary. She is barren. She hasn't had any children. She's getting old. Uh, she's actually past her birthing years. And God miraculously allows her to get pregnant. And we're going to find later on that it's actually she's pregnant with John the Baptist. 
John the Baptist and Jesus were related, FYI. So, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. Whew, that's a lot of information. The virgin's name was Mary. Now stop there for just a second. I want to give you some background here of why these things are mentioned. First off, um, Nazareth is the town, uh, one of the towns mentioned in Old Testament prophecy about the coming of the Messiah, the King, the, the one that was going to come and save Israel. We call him Jesus Christ. And so Nazareth was part of a prophecy about Jesus. Now there are somewhere around 300 to 400 depending on who you speak with, prophecies in the Old Testament about Jesus that happened anywhere between 400 and 1,400 years before Jesus ever was born. And Jesus fulfilled every last one of those prophecies. The mathematical likelihood of that happening is almost impossible. And so one of the proofs that Jesus is the Christ is the fact that he fulfilled every single prophecy that was ever spoken of him. So that's why he mentions, that's why Luke mentions these. Now he says a virgin pledged to be married. Why is he mentioned that it's a virgin? Because it's a miraculous birth, guys. And we're going to talk about that in just a second. And then pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. Again, the mentioning of a descendant of David is another prophecy about Jesus, that he would come from the line of David, the great king from, from old Israel. So pick up in verse 28. Again, think about, put yourself in the shoes of Mary if you were experiencing this as Mary in this moment. Verse 28, the angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. 29, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel. Since I am a virgin. And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so that the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a baby in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Now think about this for just a moment with me. Because again, I think we look at this story and we go, Oh, how nice. An angel appeared to Mary and foretold the coming of Jesus. Oh, it's Christmas time. But No, think about this. Think in, in terms of what actually is taking place here. Mary is alone in her home at least alone in, in a room in her home. There's no one else around. And Mary is sitting there doing whatever it is that she does in the evening, and suddenly someone appears 
out of nowhere. First off, that's creepy if you're not a normal person, right? Some dude just appears in your room. But Mary didn't freak out. Mary knew that there was something special about what was happening. I don't know what he looked like. The Bible doesn't describe that. Most of the time, despite what paintings tell us, most of the time in the Bible, uh, we do have descriptions of angels appearing to people in the Old Testament. And when they appeared, they looked just like normal men. They didn't have wings and halos and things like that, although the, the, you know, pictures depict it that way. We don't know what he looked like. But somehow Mary knew that something was going on, that this was special, this was different. She saw an angel. How many of you have been hanging out in your bedroom one evening, reading a book or watching TV, and suddenly some dude appeared in your room? (laughs) It hasn't happened to me, thank goodness. But the fact is, is that it happened to Mary. And she stops and listens to what the angel has to tell her. And he tells her, he tells her that what is about to happen, first off, is impossible. Right? Everybody knows how people get pregnant. The birds and the bees talk should be already with us right now, right? (laughs) The fact of the matter is, is Mary knew exactly what was happening She knew exactly what was going on, yet she didn't understand how things were going to happen. And Gabriel the angel explains to her exactly what's going to take place. And she doesn't flip out on him. Again, think about what the angel is telling her. The angel's basically condemning her to a life of isolation. Because to get pregnant out of wedlock... That was a big deal back then, in a bad, bad way. But she trusted. She trusted God and knew that He would take care of her no matter what. She was willing to take on isolation. She was willing to be pushed away from her family. Does the the angel Gabriel promise her that she'll go ahead and get married? No. So she was willing to put her soon-to-be marriage on the line To follow God's will. She was laying her life at God's feet in his guidance. She was willing to sacrifice everything to follow what this angel had told her. That's a big deal. That's huge. Now, let's look at Joseph's story. Turn to Matthew chapter 1. You're in Luke, so go backwards two books. The order is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So you're in Luke. Go back two books to the book of Matthew. Again, chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. And this is the account of just a brief glimpse of what Joseph went through. Um, And the little drama monologue that I just did at the beginning of my message this morning is based off of this passage. So look look with me at Matthew chapter 1. Verses 18 through 25. 18 through 25. It says this. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace... 
he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Now, let me explain something real quick here. In Old Testament times, a a bride and a groom would go through almost a year-long process of, of, for lack of a better term, they dated each other. The groom would go to her house with her parents present and would live life in and out with her and vice versa. And then they would go through this very long, week-long process that was the marriage ceremony. And there were bells and whistles like you can't imagine. There were festivities, there were feasts, there were all sorts of things that would happen leading up to the marriage ceremony actually happening at the end of this week-long celebration. Um, and both the bride and the groom were, were, were you know, exalted. They were praised. They were, you know, just people would just pour out blessings on them and give them things. Um, and, and that's how it played out. So Joseph and Mary have probably been together for many, many months and have been pledged to be married for many, many months. Uh, you know, in today's day and time, you get engaged with someone and it's a commitment, but it's a loose commitment. You can break off the engagement anytime you want, and many times there aren't really hard consequences to that. In this day and time, when you were engaged and you began that process, you were already considered married without having the physical aspect of your relationship involved. Does that make sense? And so when Matthew tells us that he decided he would quietly divorce her, it's meaning that he's breaking off this very, very strong commitment and saying that I'm not going to fulfill the wedding ceremony all the way to the end. So let's keep reading. Verse 20. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Side note, Jesus is the Greek and Latin of the Hebrew name Yeshua, Joshua. And in Hebrew, the name Yeshua means literally that God saves. So when you see the name Joshua in the Old Testament, that name means, if you take the Hebrew and combine some words together, it means God saves. And this was very common where they took names and the names had a meaning of some kind. So he's to give him the name Jesus because Jesus means God saves. Verse 24, when Joseph woke up, He did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Again, this is kind of a big deal. Joseph has already decided how he's going to handle this very awkward, very difficult situation. For him, marriage was not an option because she was pregnant with another man's child. There was no way Joseph, in good standing in the community, could have married a woman who was considered an adulterer. It was shameful. It was uh, scandalous. And so Joseph had decided, I'm not going to get into this. This is not what my people do. I'll just divorce her quietly so that she doesn't have to be put to shame and I can still live in obedience to the law. And then he has this dream. Now, how, we all have dreams, right? 
We all dream and sometimes we wake up and some dreams we remember a little bit of it, don't we? Guys, I don't remember nine out of ten of my dreams, probably more than that. I don't remember my dreams very often. Some people remember dreams really well. But even when you remember a dream, it's kind of like weird, not realistic, you're not in reality kind of thing. But the dream that Joseph had was not anything like a normal dream. An angel of the Lord appears to him. And I can just imagine that when he's having this dream and he wakes up from his sleep, I can only imagine him thinking that was different. That wasn't a normal dream. This was something special. There had to have been a reality, a connection with that dream that made it unlike any other dream he had ever had. And this angel tells him to not be afraid to go ahead and take Mary as his wife. Because what she has, the child she is growing, is important. And the angel said, it's from the Holy Spirit. This is a huge deal. Because back in this day and time, people didn't understand and have a concept of the Holy Spirit the way we have. You know, we have a very, very clear understanding of God exists as one with three persons, right? We have that, that theology. They didn't have that back then. And so for Joseph to, be t- Joseph to be told this child is coming from the Holy Spirit was something unique and special. But I want you to go back to Luke chapter 1 again. Because I want you to notice something that is overlooked all too many times in this passage. And that's Mary's response. Luke chapter 1, and I want to look at verse 31 for just a second. Because remember, what is being asked of Joseph and Mary is physically and socially suicide. What they're being asked to do is do something that they will likely be thrown on the, out in the street and have no means of taking care of themselves and socially be shunned by everyone they know. And look at what Mary's response is in chapter 1, verse 31. When the, not 31, 38, sorry. Luke chapter 1, verse 38, and look at what she says. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. She doesn't hesitate or flinch for a moment. She says, If this is what God wants me to do, I am his servant and I will gladly do it, no matter what the sacrifice is. I don't know that I could have responded like that. I don't know that if God came to me and said, hey, I'm going to basically ruin your entire life, I don't know that I'd be willing to jump up and go, I'm the Lord's servant, let's do this! I don't know that I could do that, but that's exact. I don't know that she did it that way, let's be honest. But she willingly and without hesitation says, yes, God, I am the Lord's servant and I will do everything you've just said, even though it's probably going to ruin my life. I don't know that I could have done that. That's huge. And yet she did it, and thank you, Lord, that she did it, because without her willingness to submit to the plan that God had for her life, we would be in trouble today. 
right? We would be in a tough spot. So here's my statement this week. This is what I want you to go home and remember. As you live your life this week, I want you to think about this one statement. And here it is. Listen as he guides and trust as he provides. Listen as he guides and trust as he provides. When God guides us into doing something, he will always provide for us to do it. He's never going to leave us hanging. He's never going to leave us in a position where we cannot fulfill the thing that he has told us he wants us to do. He will always provide the means for us to have the ability to accomplish that thing, that mission that he has guided us to do. So listen as he guides and trust as he provides trust, just like Mary did, that when he tells you, I'm going to flip your life on its head, trust that he will take care of you and he will provide for you no matter what. You see, he all guides us into ministry. And let me just focus on one little thing. He was leading Joseph and Mary into the most important moment in the history of mankind. He was leading Mary and Joseph into the birth of Jesus Christ, the Son of God who would come and die for our sins because he lived a perfect sinless life and then after his death rose from the grave and ascended into heaven to sit at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. There is nothing more important in all of human history than that moment, than that person, Jesus Christ. And we're all called to ministry in Jesus I get paid to do it, and I'm blessed to be able to. But the reality is, is that every single one of us is followers of Christ. If you're a follower of Christ, God has guided you or is guiding you to do some kind of ministry. To come and sit in the pews on Sunday morning is not enough. As a matter of fact, the Bible never says that sitting in the pews is what defines us as Christians. It's how we interact with the world outside of this building that defines us as Christians. And so what is he guiding you into? Maybe he's guiding you to invite someone to church. Did you know that according to recent surveys, 8 out of 10 people say they would go to church if someone they knew invited them? And we're so afraid of the rejection that we might receive if we go ask somebody to come to church that we don't ask. But in reality, 8 out of 10 of your friends, 80% of people in the United States who don't go to church say they would if you would invite them, if I would invite them. Is that what God is guiding you to do? Do you have someone in your life that you need to invite to church so that they can hear the good news of Jesus Christ? Maybe he's guiding you to support someone who is doing ministry or mission work at a really high level. Maybe God is guiding you to help support someone like Todd and Katie Miller or to support international missions through the Lottie Moon Project. Or maybe you know someone personally who is doing an amazing ministry and you say, I need to support them. Or maybe there's a student who needs to go on a mission trip that will change their life for Christ, but they can't get there without your support. Parents, maybe it's you giving the support to your child to go on a mission trip that, quite frankly, doesn't seem as safe as just keeping them here in the United States. Sometimes we need to trust that God can protect, huh? 
fact of the matter is, is we're all called to ministry. We're all called to support the orphan and the widow and the needy in our communities. And maybe God's calling you and guiding you to do that, but what does that look like for you? Maybe, just maybe, someone in this room is being called to turn their back on their career and go into full-time ministry. I don't know what God's guiding you in. I don't know how God is planning to flip your life on its head. But we can't just sit here in our nice comfy pews with the heater running and a new parking lot that's going to be here next week. We can't sit here and just be satisfied with this. This is not enough. This is not why Mary and Joseph were called to do the impossible. We need to get out of our comfort zone and be willing to let God shake our life up. So how will you listen and how will you trust? Will you join me in prayer? Almighty God, we thank you so much. We thank you, Lord, for your son, Jesus Christ. And God, we thank you that you had people ready, that Mary and Joseph were willing and ready to follow you, even if it meant that their life, their livelihood, everything they valued was on the line. And Lord, I pray my desire, my, my hunger for all of us here, including myself, is that we would be willing to say, God, I don't care what it means for my life. I don't care what the sacrifice might be, but Lord, I'm willing to follow your guidance and trust in your provision. So Lord, help us to be a people that looks for the ways that you're guiding us to do the work that you've asked us to do. We thank you, Lord. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to have a time of response now. And the altar's open if you need to pray this morning, if you need to spend some time asking God what, what he's asking of you. Um, or if you need to speak with someone this morning, maybe uh, you want to talk to somebody about beginning a relationship with Jesus Christ and what being saved means. Um, I'm going to be right here standing at this front pew. And if you need to talk, uh, come talk to me. I would love the opportunity uh, to talk about those things with you. So let's all stand and let's continue to worship and respond to God's word.